everybody and welcome to another React Native Show episode. Today we are going to talk about Repack and a very interesting open source library that uses Webpack. So we're going to learn what this has to do with React Native and why you should be probably using it. Today with me is a very special guest, Pavel, that works with me at Callstack. So Pavel, very nice to not meet you because we know each other, but I'm pleased to have you on this podcast. Uh, so, you know, how about you just introduce yourself in a couple of words for those of our listeners that are here, you know, for the first time before we go into the repack uh, and all the benefits that it has. Uh, yeah. Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Pavel Trisła, uh, also known as Zamotane on the internet. Uh, like like I said, uh, I work here at Callstack. I'm a software developer for more than four years now. Uh, really excited to be here. Nice. Great. Um, I'm also really excited to have you today because we have a very special topic that, uh, you know, is something that you've been working on for a while now. So, you know, I know the name is Repack. Uh, what can you tell me about this project? Okay, so Repack is uh, a direct successor to Hull. Hull was also a open source project that we did here at Callstack. Um, and essentially a repack is a toolkit for React Native applications uh, that works with Webpack. So Webpack is a bundler for your uh, JavaScript or TypeScript code, and you use repack to make that bundle that Webpack generates work with React Native. So uh, while Webpack is a bundler, repack is a toolkit or set of APIs that allows you to use Webpack for developing React Native applications. Uh, it has support for um, features like Hermes, Flipper, or React Refresh. Um, and uh, we plan to add more features that are exclusively available in Webpack, which you cannot, for example, do in Metro. Wow, that's quite a lot of keywords in a single answer. And I guess before we go into the details, it would be great to talk about some basics. Like, for example, what do we need a bundler for in context of React Native uh, if we are actually building a mobile application? Yeah, so when we are writing the code for the React Native, we usually write it in JavaScript or TypeScript. And this code is split between multiple files, right? Your source code consists of multiple files, and you also have dependencies that lives in for example, node modules. Uh, so those files uh, might contain a syntax that is not well understood by the JavaScript VM. Uh, for example, you're using arrow functions or const on let. Th this is the syntax that might not be uh, not be supported yet in uh, JavaScript VM. So uh, you have all of these files that are not runnable right now, and you need a way to pack them together into a single or few smaller files and transform them at the same time to something that the JavaScript uh, VM understands. And this is what the Webpack does. It takes your code, it transpiles it, for example, with Babel, and packs it together uh, alongside uh, minification happens to make sure that you ship the uh, smallest possible code without any comments or additional stuff that affects the size. Because the less code you write, the less time is spent on evaluating and processing that code. Yeah. And uh, I guess, you know, uh, for, 
for that reason, uh, Facebook had to develop Metro. I mean, uh, I guess we'll get into that a bit later, but um, there is already Metro in React Native, which is kind of the default. And every time you actually install a uh, React Native locally on your machine, uh, this is what, what you get. So I guess, what would be the biggest selling point of Repack if I were to use it over Metro? So the biggest selling point uh, of Repack is that it's based on Webpack. Repack itself is not a bundler, so it's not a direct competitor to, to Metro, but it's a set of APIs that will make Webpack a bundler for React Native applications. So uh, the, the biggest selling point, like I said, is Webpack because it's support, it supports a lot of features that are not otherwise available for React Native developers. Like you have this whole ecosystem of Webpack loaders, plugins, and the vast amount of configuration options. So the strength of, of Repack is uh, that it's based on the Webpack, essentially. And the Webpack has been uh, in the market for years now and has a widespread adoption, especially in the uh, web development community. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, before, before doing this podcast, um, I also did a bit of research. And, um, you know, it turns out that there was actually an attempt to use Webpack with React Native early days, uh, just before the Facebook team decided to build a packager later rephrased to Metro and a separate project. And I guess uh, that there is also an issue, issue number five, uh, that you know we have linked to this article, uh, so we can go and check it out. But I guess the primary reason uh, Webpack was not used was performance and lack of support for some Facebook-specific things, like, I guess, you know haste modules that some of you may not remember, but they were quite popular back in the day. Uh, you know, back to the hall, which is, you know, like uh, predecessor to Repack. Um, I'm just curious, is that also why this project, despite being, I guess, quite popular and, and conceptually offering the same thing as Repack, re never really got to the point where you were kind of satisfied with it and had, you know, stable uh, feature set. Um, and, you know, eventually now it is sort of discounted in favor of Repack. So I'm just trying to understand what specifically led to that decision um, that whole never really got into you know a stable uh, phase yeah so the main problem with hall was its architecture uh, we designed hall to encapsulate webpack under the hood so hall had uh, its own configuration file uh, and we had to maintain that configuration file we had to maintain all of the documentation for it uh, while we still were using Webpack under the hood and had to convert from our configuration file format to, to Webpack's one so, so that Webpack can actually run. Uh, and because we hit uh, Webpack uh, behind this facade, uh, the issues that people had with Webpack uh, were also our issues because they were opening uh, new issues on GitHub to our project instead of Webpack, while a lot of the problems that developers had were already solved and you could find them on Webpack's GitHub. So that was the one thing. And another was that because of this uh, 
maintenance overhead, the, the feature uh, development velocity was low. So it was difficult to develop new features and sometimes even impossible or not feasible, like in case of uh, React Refresh. The, the whole architecture didn't really work uh, in a way that would allow us to do that, uh, especially um, since we had to also support RAM bundles, which complicated the, the whole code uh, to a point that it was just not possible to, to implement latest and greatest features that, that Metro had. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that, that that makes a lot of sense, and uh, I can definitely relate that. Over time, I've also learned that sometimes building these nice abstractions while making it easier for developers to use, sometimes it's just not paying off uh, in the long term. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm curious, what was the game changer for you that, you know, made building Repack possible? I guess you're now more, like, you're now satisfied with, you know, the way Repack looks like, and still it is based on Webpack, so... What is different now about Repack or Webpack or your approach that makes Repack such a good alternative and actually something that you believe uh, is going to be working really nicely? Yeah, so there were uh, three things that, uh, that allowed us to, to create uh, Repack and support all of the features that, that Metro has. So the first one is uh, the release of Webpack 5. That was a game changer for us. Uh, the, a lot of the internal code was refactored in Webpack 5, which makes it easier to understand and read uh, the source code, which was the reason why we could create, uh, for example, hot module replacement with React Refresh support into uh, Repack. Uh, the other thing was that, uh, instead of hiding Webpack configuration, we now embrace it. So the developers have access and they own Webpack configuration and they just use our APIs like plugins to, to tweak the configurations to, to their needs. Uh, so whenever the developer have, have an issue with Webpack configurations, let's say some loader doesn't work as they expect or something is not transpired properly, they can search directly for that issue um, inside Webpack's uh, GitHub repository or somewhere on the internet, on Stack Overflow or something. Um, the last part is that uh, we've decided not to support uh, RAM bundles. It was our deliberate decision based on the experience we've got with Hall um, since the support for RAM bundles complicates the, the code exponentially. So if we were to support RAM bundles, we probably wouldn't be able to support React Refresh. So we opted for the greater developer experience instead of having to, having to support RAM bundles uh, since they are not that widely used. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. I guess sometimes you just gotta make these decisions about not supporting everything especially when you know the future of certain features is not really settled yet and it may happen that RAM bundles are not popular in the future especially when Hermes um, you know kind of becomes more popular so so you know like what I'm what I'm sensing here is that repack is then a super fresh development and um, opens up like all great webpack 5 features and and it's powerful ecosystem 
So, you know, what does it mean in practice? What kind of features uh, are we talking about? Yeah, so in practice, uh, we support all of the features that Metro does. So you could use Hermes, uh, you can use flippers with all of the React Native specific plugins like React DevTools, Hermes Inspector, uh, and, and other. Um, additionally, uh, we have fully, fully featured development server. So it works out of the box. Uh, you just run different command and that's it. Uh, so it's, it's not a drop-in replacement, but it's close to. And uh, the, one of the major benefits of, of Repack is that now uh, we can support uh, code splitting in React Native. So you can split your bundle into multiple files. And in the future, we will be able to use module federation for developing React Native applications. Nice, and uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about these uh, features in a in a bit because you know this is this is really interesting to talk about module federation and code splitting. Um, generally, I'm I'm really excited. You know, like if I were to say what's the biggest selling point for me, that would be definitely Simlinks, because uh, that just makes my development easier. But um, I guess you know, jokes aside, that's 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 not the primary reason why. Uh, somebody should be choosing Repack over Metro. <laughs> Actually, in the readme of the project that I have checked, uh, you know, beforehand, uh, you explicitly say that it, it is targeted at you know advanced developers. And um, that said, I'm curious, what are the scenarios that make using your library a no-brainer? Um, and I guess we are talking about something a bit more advanced than just. Um, than just what I said, right? Yeah. So uh, let's start with, with with the basics. So uh, one of the use cases that Webpack really shines in are projects that have complex or unconventional project structure. So uh, one of the example is having Git submodules or or symlinks, like you mentioned. Those, those are the cases when uh, it's, it might be not possible to, to bundle your application properly with Metro. But with Webpack, it is possible to configure it to properly resolve all of the source files, all of the dependencies, regardless where they are. So that's one, one group of the, uh, of the projects that would benefit from Repack. Another one uh, are the applications that itself could benefit from code splitting. Uh, so we, we, we have a lot of applications that could benefit from it. A uh, few examples are modular applications. When you have a logic that uh, you don't want to ship to all of the users, but you want to load them on demand, for example, for only specific uh, group of users based on some factors that you detect in the runtime, let's say user subscriptions plan, right? Uh, one, one, another uh, example of applications are uh, so-called super apps. When you have one big application that consists of multiple uh, smaller apps and you don't, let's say you have a super app that includes 50 mini apps. 
you don't want to ship all of the mini apps to the end user. You want to ship the, the least amount possible and download the rest on demand if the user wants to use that app. Um, and in general, all of the applications that uh, that wants to download uh, the, the code or extend functionality in runtime on demand, uh, another option is some kind of uh, text processor. When based on the language you write, you detect what language the user is using, and then you want to download some code for uh, analytics or on some AI based for that specific language. Yeah, that, 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 that sounds really interesting. And uh, you mentioned quite a few very interesting use cases, uh, like those mini apps or super apps, and you know, and, and, and like the way you could potentially build your application, have those dynamic pieces downloaded. That's really interesting. And I guess these are you know the, the the projects that become more and more popular with react native as it matures uh, but you also said that you know these are the projects that would greatly benefit from using repack so what kind of benefits are we talking about here uh, is that you know tti or something else we're the kind of uh, tti is one of them uh, because the the less code you ship and uh, parse and evaluate at the start type, a startup time, then the the less time is spent, so you can quicker get to interactive point of the of your app. Time to render is also a metric that would benefit from uh, code splitting, especially if you combine code splitting with Hermes, where you can remove the parsing part of running your code at startup altogether because that part is done at build time. So then the only thing is to just evaluate the least amount of code possible and load the rest later uh, once it's needed. So that's one of the one of the reasons where uh, TTI or TTR can be improved. Another one is just basically being able to load content on demand. It is possible with Metro, but there are few challenges and it's limited uh, to, to do that. So it's not something that is well researched or well investigated. Uh, while code splitting has been around for years in web development community and Webpack has a great support for it. So why shouldn't we benefit when writing regular applications for that? Uh, another uh, benefit that you would get in the future with uh, module federation is better scalability of, of your teams. This is mostly for the bigger companies or enterprise companies that has a lot of that have a lot of teams. Um, so with module federation, you would be able to give control of the, of the build pipeline to each of the teams separately. So each of the teams can develop their part of the application uh, in isolation, uh, individual from, from the rest of the team. And then uh, they control the build process so they can tweak it to their needs. They can add dependencies that they want. And then they build the so-called container, but we can say it's a bundle. 
they, they build their own bundle. And in the final step, all of the bundles from all of the teams are being put together into Re React Native application. And that application will run everything uh, accordingly to your functionality. So it's easier to, to work in isolation and it's easier uh, to scale your teams of module federation. Yeah, and um, that, that, that last example that you said is very interesting because um, you said that uh, you can have your, each of your teams to work separately, build it the way they want, and at the end of the day, you can combine it into a single app. And that pretty much sounds like having your own app store, having your own SDK and platform. And if we change your different teams with different companies all around the world, it seems that with Repack and Module Federation, I can build something like a platform. Uh, say React Native for TV OS, that's going to be a like a, a OS. And with Module Federation, I can build like an App Store SDK and others can target my my environment is that is that is that right uh, sort of um, conceptual uh, from from the conceptual point of view? Yes, I, I think so. With module federation, the limitations are pretty much endless. So uh, you can do whatever you want. Uh, module federation doesn't only necessarily mean means that you will have one app and uh, teams that that build uh, bundles. You can have teams that uh, require use of some code from other teams. Uh, it's also perfectly fine uh, fine um, use case. The module federation was created for so-called micro frontends in uh, web development. Uh, you can read it online if you want. Uh, so the, the use cases are, uh, are huge. And uh, with module federations uh, support in uh, React Native, thanks to, to Webpack 5 and, and Repack, uh, you would be able to create your own app store or some kind of host app that would uh, run other applications that are developed not necessarily by your team, but they can be developed by external team. You will supply to them uh, development host app it doesn't have to be a production one. It can be any basically host app, uh, which is a just a regular React Native application with uh, your mocked API or stabbed API. And then they can develop for that. And at the end of the day, they uh, ship the, the, the compiled bundle to you and you pack that into a single application and, and ship it to the, to the end user. And actually, you don't even have to bundle that into the final application. You can also host it on the server, and your React Native application, the production host app, will download the bundle that the external team created from the server. So the possibilities are endless. Yeah, that's that's that that sounds really, you know, like. I know that I'm saying that, you know, all oh, your answer sounds really exciting, but this is actually a very interesting piece of technology. And, uh, you know, um, it is really interesting to see that by doing something that looks, you know, at a first sight, 
very standard, like, oh, here we're just going to make Webpack uh, support for React Native, you can enable so many great features. Like, this is, uh, this is really you know, a surprise, but at the same time, it shows that uh, you, know, you can essentially um, use tools that are already in the market to create something very, very challenging and uh, extraordinary. So um, at the very end, uh, you mentioned that you don't necessarily need to bundle it with your app. You can put it on the server. So my first, um, uh, my first thought is, you know, code push, which is kind of, kind of the same. Let's say, uh, I mean, you can dynamically extend your functionality, uh, like write something like new module and you know, push code push update. So um, I know that the repack is different, but just to make it clear for everybody, like wh what's the difference between code push and the dynamic delivery uh, done with repack? Yeah, so function, uh, essentially, the difference lies in both mechanism, how it works, and the use case. With code push, uh, once you have your update, this update will be downloaded um, by the React Native application, and it will overwrite your existing bundle. And this is usually a single bundle. And then on the next restart of the app, the new updated bundle will be loaded. So you will get the new code that you deployed to, to code push. But with uh, repack and the code splitting module federation, uh, you can load the functionality into your uh, already running application at the same time. You don't even you don't have to restart the application to uh, to use the functionality that got downloaded and evaluated. So this is a different mechanism, how it works, and different use case. The code push is great for shipping fixes uh, or changing some, some small stuff in, inside your bundle. But code splitting and module federations allow you to write different kind of architectures for your applications, where you only uh, load code to either specific group of users uh, for example, you have e-learning applications and you have uh, most of the users are students and you don't want to load functionalities for the teachers. So uh, you don't ship that functionality by default. And if if teacher logs in, you detect that he's a teacher or they are teacher. And uh, then you download the, the bundle for the teacher. Yeah, yeah. Very good example. Thanks for making this clear. I actually also have like an example, I guess, that works here, which is very close, uh, for example, to my area of interest, which would be you know the automotive app to control your car. Probably as soon as you select your make and model, or maybe put your uh, ID number, you get download like the app could download the specific functionality for your particular make. Uh, so um, that makes sense. Cool. So, um, you know, we have talked about a lot of different features and uh, it's great to hear that while we initially started talking about the performance, uh, we ended up also talking about some interesting use cases, which means that Repack is, is not only about performance, but it's also about bringing some really interesting use cases into, into practice. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to stick to the performance for a second because a few questions before we have talked about TTI that, you know, um, that that apps can benefit from can improve TTI, 
when using repack. And uh, I, I, I guess, you know, I just wanted to ask if you have done any benchmarking around that use case, uh, what kind of improvements are we uh, possibly talking about? Uh, unfortunately, no, uh, we haven't done any benchmarks yet. Uh, we plan to do them uh, later. Uh, right now, uh, with Repack, we are in kind of early stages, uh, which means we have uh, all of the features that we need for the feature parity with Metro. Uh, we have basic support for code splitting in forms of asynchronous chunks, uh, but we first want to focus on delivering improved support for uh, code splitting and uh, implement module federations uh, support first, and then we can do the benchmarking because now we will have a final base for uh, for the benchmarking without module federation support and uh, improved uh, code splitting support. It's hard to benchmark it because the benchmarks can be invalid or will be invalid later once we change the code. Yeah. That, that, that is a uh, good approach. And uh, I'm going to ask you about uh, the future plans uh, in, a, um, in a second. Uh, there is one more question that I just figured um, that I would ask you regarding performance, um, which is related to um, what you said before, that with Repack, you can actually uh, load the code into the already running application. Now. Um, I have actually done a bit of research, and uh, I know that there are people out there uh, that were or are trying to achieve uh, a similar functionality to Repack by instantiating multiple bridges, like one, two, three, four bridges. And, you know, like the bridge API, for example, on iOS, you can init bridge with URL, for example. So they would init a bridge for every chunk, let's say every React Native app and they would create an abstraction to asynchronously communicate with the bridges. I guess uh, with Repack, uh, you go for much uh, better uh, approach because there is just one, I guess. So, so that also means some memory benefits, I guess. Um, if you could just help me um, understand and maybe explain to others the differences here, because I guess some people that are interested in this topic might have seen that multi-bridge solution, let's say. Yeah, so I think the feasibility of solutions with having just a single bridge and multiple bridge should be evaluated by case by case. Uh, it's hard to for generalize for that. But with Repack, you can have both uh, or you can migrate to, to both. Uh, let's talk about the situation with the uh, single uh, React instance. And single React instance also has a single JavaScript context. So uh, you could have single one and just share it across and load the, uh, the chunks, the, the code that you split it into it on demand. Uh, this is most of the cases uh, you would use that. But if for some reason, and this, is, this has to be specific to your case and your project, you decide that you want to have multiple React instances and you're fine with the... Uh, the drawbacks that go with it, then React uh, Repack can also help you with that because uh, now you could just have a uh, index bundle, host bundle, we can, we can name it however you want. The, the first bundle that gets loaded that contains your dependencies 
and then each of the React instance will load only their specific chunk that they need to, uh, to, to access. So instead of uh, loading the whole bundle for with all of, all of the chunks and just using part of the functionality in each of the React instance, you have each of the React instance load the dependencies, the minimal amount of runtime, and then only the functionality that is specific to that uh, React instance. So you save a on the memory and on the time, uh, especially on the start in, yeah. in that scenario. Yeah, that, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it actually shows me that with Repack, I just have more control. I can choose one bridge, multiple ones. And, and, and what is most important to me is, is the ability to actually avoid like in instantiating React Native within every bridge. I guess what, what is happening these days is that if somebody does three or four bridges, they just duplicate uh, the runtime in these multiple places. So that's definitely something that they should not be doing. Okay, uh, cool. So I have one last question. I guess we have covered pretty much everything, I guess, regarding code splitting, but I'm pretty sure there is still like hours of discussions on use cases. So if anybody's interested, uh, just give us some ideas. We can probably with Pavel discuss some of these projects uh, in our podcast. But before we uh, drop off, um, I just wanted to ask you like, um, you know, how can I get started? This, this all sounds very interesting and, uh, you know, sounds like something that I'd, I'd love to start using now. It, is this all already available? How can I get started? What's the plan here? Yeah, so good news, it's already available. We have uh, we have a repo for that on GitHub. It's already published to an APM. The, the code is open source, of course. And uh, we are at the stage where we have a feature parity with Metro, except for run bundles, which we deliberately choose not to support. Uh, so you can replace Metro if you want right now. Uh, and we have a basic support for code splitting, meaning that you can use so-called asynchronous chunks by uh, writing a uh, dynamic import function inside your code that will create a chunk. Uh, this has some limitations and you can read more about it in our readme. Uh, but we are working right now uh, on improving this support so that those chunks, uh, you will have a better control over where those chunks are stored. So you will be able to store them in app uh, so that the chunk will be packed inside your APA or APK file, or you will be able to store them on the server and load from their remote location. Um, so we are working on bringing that functionality alongside other APIs for the chunk management, like invalidation of the cache and, and what's, what's so not. Um, then we are focusing on bringing the module federation into React Native, because uh, we think that's a game changer for, for writing complex React Native applications. So that's our plan. You can already use it, uh, but you will have to wait a bit for all of the, the good stuff that we just talked in this <laughs> podcast. Which I guess is a uh, nice thing to be waiting for. You probably definitely tease us all 
about what's coming up because I'm pretty sure that you know these use cases are something that a lot of developers at least once in their lifetime uh, have uh, stumbled upon. Uh, so, Pablo, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have this podcast today with you during this beautiful sunny day. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it, and then that's not going to be uh, the last time we um, are having this podcast. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we can do more podcasts in the futures uh, If there are any, uh, any questions or any topics that, that we should cover, let's just do it. And yeah, thank you for having me today. Nice. Thanks, Pavel. Now I have it on tape, so I'll definitely be uh, getting back to you. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, um, yeah, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Uh, thanks. Uh, thank you, everybody, for you know watching us, listening us, uh, depending, regardless of the platform that you are consuming this podcast. Just a casual reminder that uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can check our uh, YouTube account where you know the video that you are maybe listening to. Uh, is available if you prefer audio podcasts. We also um, probably are on every platform. Uh, to find the available platforms, just go to callstack.com slash React Native Show, and um, you will uh, have all the links and our previous episodes there to enjoy. So with that said, thanks, you, Pavel, once again. Thanks, everybody, and see you on the next episode of React Native Show. Mm -hmm.